Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to your one hour summer refresher today on social skills training. My name is Chelsea Sims. I use she, her pronouns. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and one of the lead community mental health trainers at PMHP, which is part of UCLA and partners with DMH to provide training and professional development options that are easy to access um, for folks who work in community mental health and as outreach providers in the community. So uh, really glad to have you all here today. Hopefully you've been able to check out some of our other uh, refresher uh, series as well. It's kind of nice to fit some quick learning into an hour. So let's jump in. So our objectives today are very simple. If you have engaged in any social skills support, some of this will be a lot of review. Um, it's a refresher. So uh, what we'll talk about is just uh, being able to have a shared definition of what is meant by the term social skills. Pretty basic, right? We'll go over why social skills are important you know, um, so at the end, you'll be able to list those reasons you might already be able to. Um, we'll talk about specific evidence-based practice of social skills training and what that looks like. And that's what that attachment, or I should say, um, handout that is provided at the link um, gives you a lot of extra info that's not in the slide. So download that. And then um, you'll also, by the end of this training, be able to understand the approach and steps used to teach social skills. It's really concrete, which I appreciate. Um, so let's get into it. All right. So first off, what are social skills? Social skills are behaviors that are socially acceptable. Of course, this is going to be dependent on the community that a person is in and all the interconnections between different layers of identity, um, which we'll get into in a moment. Some examples when we think of social skills uh, include learning, knowing what's appropriate as far as dress and behavior, conversation skills, and expressions of emotion. Um, as I mentioned before, these can look different for different folks because social skills vary across cultures and communities. Um, we know that when we go to work, the social skills we use are different maybe than the social skills we use with our best childhood friend or with um, our immediate family. Um, so we can understand this on a micro level where each individual's social skills kind of vary depending on the culture or context that they're in. But also if someone has grown up in a culture um, that has very different social expectations or uh, ideas about what's appropriate, we wanna take that into consideration and um, normalize that. When social skills are used appropriately, they result in effective social interactions. So when we're talking about this, we're not necessarily talking about how folks are perceived necessarily. That can feel like a focus in social skills training. But what we're wanting to focus on is our clients' goals and helping them reach them. So if their goals are to improve social interactions to get their needs met, whether that be emotional needs from their support system, whether that be tangible needs from their providers, from their workplace, from their education setting, from their housing setting, um, that's what our goal is, to help folks get their needs met, not just to be um, seen uh, in a certain way, right? So we want to maintain that focus when we're thinking about social skills training, part of being client-centered. So why are social skills important? Um, some individuals find knowing what to say or how to act challenging. I think we can all imagine in our own lives moments where we feel that way. Um, and some folks, when they experience different uh, symptoms, different um, experiences, their ability to uh, determine what to say or how to act uh, can be impacted. You know, trauma can impact this. Folks, I think of folks with TBIs and how that can impact 
um, social engagement. I also think of folks with severe or serious mental illness who might have um, internal, uh, they might be have, they might be responding to internal stimuli. So that might make it even more challenging to know what to say or how to act when their brain is already occupied by something else, right? So we know this, it can be difficult. Um, and so how is this difficult? It makes it hard for folks to establish and maintain social relationships, fulfill social roles. That could be like being a parent or being a family member or being um, uh, in community, like part of a, a church community, I'm thinking. Um, or have their social needs met. So we might think of isolation. Um, that can happen to a lot of folks that we work with, especially when they are experiencing some of the things I said, um, uh, PTSD from trauma or complex PTSD, um, severe mental illness. Uh, and these can combine with substance use to make it really difficult to have all these things happen. Social skills are also often necessary for individuals to accomplish personally meaningful goals. So that's where I was talking about before, we're focusing on these personally meaningful goals. And often a barrier can be uh, not knowing exactly how to accomplish what a person wants to accomplish when the barrier are humans in the way. How do I communicate with this person and that person how do I stand up for myself? How do I express what's going on? Um, it can be challenging. So uh, why do these occur, these difficulties with social skills? I talked before about different, uh, you know, diagnoses folks might have that uh, can include symptoms that are make socializing difficult. Um, like severe mental illness, um, substance use, and trauma. Um, and so what happens is folks might not interact with others appropriately. And I'm using this word appropriately, um, not as a judgment that folks are uh, inappropriate for no reason, but what we know about trauma, for instance, is that trauma impacts how people behave. Um, in response to different triggers, right? So if someone um, is expressing their needs in a way that is informed by trauma, um, this can be challenging to other people and may be deemed inappropriate, right? I'm, I'm talking about um, very emotional responses that might include anger or um, evidence of sadness, like crying, um, it could be yelling, things like that. Um, and that can have negative consequences. If someone has this kind of reaction in a clinic, um, at an interview for housing, um, we can understand why this can have a negative impact on their goals, right? Um, they may not be able to access skills that are needed in these situations, so they're kind of caught up in these reactions. Um, and individuals might not be aware of socially appropriate behavior. So especially if someone is very, um, has severe mental illness, has um, psychosis, they may not have awareness of what is appropriate because of all that internal stimuli that they're dealing with. So that's the bad news. But the good news is that social skills training is something that is helpful um, because it, social skills are something folks can learn. Um, evidence shows that folks who learn social skills are able to improve their socialization and meet their goals more often. And I'll show you a little bit of evidence um, in a little bit. Um, Social, social skills training is an evidence-based practice. It's a therapy designed to help people become more competent at socializing, and that can be in a variety of situations like I mentioned. And research has shown that these skills can improve with training, um, which I think in the past at some points, folks have maybe not believed this to be true, that it's not something folks can get better at. Um, so it's, it's really important to internalize this, right? With more information, with help, folks can improve in this and get closer to reaching their goals and having their needs met. 
Um, so this is why we want to be helping our our clients uh, build and grow when it comes to social skills. So social skills training, sometimes called SST, it is targeted, affected, effective, and it's supported. So it's a targeted treatment that can help an individual achieve important, important social outcomes when applied together with other critical interventions. So you might be also working on medication management with their uh, prescriber. You might be doing other case management around other issues that are coming up, but it is targeted and individualized based on what the client wants to ideally happen in the future. It's effective. It's effective in increasing the use of specific social behaviors and improving social functioning. You'll see why once I go through what this kind of protocol is. And it's supported. Um, there's a lot of literature out there that uh, shows that social skills training has an evidence base. It has uh, positive outcomes for clients. Um, and the article is uh, cited there if you are interested in checking that study out. So social skills training, it has a couple, you know, we, I have all these adjectives about what it is. Um, and the first is that it's flexible. We're really paying attention uh, to what our clients' needs are and meeting them where they're at with that client-centered approach. And uh, we're being flexible in how we uh, go forward with the clients throughout this process. It's also active. So we're practicing with our clients. That's what I was talking about earlier with these concrete skills. Um, we're helping our clients try things out so that when it comes time to use these out in the in the real world, out of your conversation, there's some real practice there. There's almost that muscle memory being built um, on how to, you know, go through this process. Um, social skills training is engaging because it uh, focuses on what is important to your client, their interests, their um, wishes, their goals, um, and that's really important to uh, help uh, clients feel supported and heard. It's all part of being client-centered, meeting our clients where they're at, and really trying to hone in on what is important to them, helping them reach those uh, those goals or be on a steady journey toward it. Finally, social skills training is supportive. We're providing feedback and um, we're providing validation and affirmations about um, the clients engaging in the social skills training at all, as well as uh, helping them to generate new ideas if a particular way of engaging with others is challenging. So in social skills training, there are kind of four buckets that are generally understood to be part of uh, the program. We've got communication skills. That makes sense, right? Um, friendship and dating skills. So this goes, runs the gamut, really, family, friends, um, intimate relationships, all of that kind of falls into that bucket. There's assertiveness skills, knowing how to stand up for oneself, how to express your needs, and then conflict management skills. Um, so how to uh, deal with conflict, how to express a different opinion, how to deal with, you know, sharing uh, your own unpleasant experience with someone else, these can, uh, these are all different ways to engage in social skills and different areas we can focus on with our clients, depending on what's uh, most important to them and what they feel would be helpful. So what we're going to do is go through these one by one. Um, and in this uh, link, there is an attachment, the recovery coach manual. Yes. So um, check that out because it has different protocols for each of these categories. And we're going to basically go through one example of each, but there's a bunch more info in that attachment. So feel free to download it. Um, so when we're 
doing social skills training, this is what we're doing. Um, it's pretty simple when you kind of zoom out and think about it. We're telling someone uh, what the skill is, including its steps, which can be really helpful. We're breaking down kind of the big skill into small steps. And we're also, you know, talking about why that skill is important, what the client can get out of, of it by using this skill. Next, and very important, is we're showing how to do the skill. Um, this is often called modeling. You probably do modeling a lot with your clients. You're probably doing a lot of this already. Um, but we're showing how the one can engage in the skill, um, maybe even doing a little role play ourselves to show the client what it could look like. Um, or we might just be explaining the steps we're providing that input, right? And then do, also vitally important. I suppose all three are. Um, but we're providing the individual, our client, with the opportunity to practice the skill. So this is done in role play scenarios between you and your client. Or if you are doing a social skills training group, this could be something between you and the client in the group. It could be between two people in the group. Um, lot of different options. Role play is also sometimes called behavior rehearsal. They're rehearsing for a behavior they're hoping to engage in out in the community. So that's going to be kind of the overarching order of operations for social skills training. As I said, it can be done one-on-one -on -one with your client. You know, you could work on it while you're out with your client going for a walk or, um, accompanying them somewhere. It can, it's really flexible um, modality. And then of course it can be done in small groups. And there are suggestions in that link or in that um, document and the, at the link uh, for those. Okay, so here is step-by-step uh, -step how a role play goes. So, the first step is the provider helps the individual identify personally meaningful situations in which the skill may be used. So generally, you'll probably hear about when you're talking with your client a need for social skills training. So you're helping to kind of tease that out and make sure that you're on the same page with your client. Um, then you your client engages in a role play with you and other individuals, if in a group. Um, then after the role play is done, the pro provider and others, if you're in a group, can give praise and other positive reinforcement. So the first feedback is going to be praise and other positive reinforcement. Then after that has occurred, you would offer suggestions for how the interaction could be even better. Right. So we're starting with this positivity and we're just adding to it. Right. How it could be even better versus trying to critique or we want to stay strengths focused here. And then finally, when the client feels ready, maybe you go through the role play again, um, integrating those suggestions, see how the client feels afterwards. Did that feel good? Did that feel comfortable? Do you think you could do this out at your next appointment, um, when they feel ready and you've kind of assessed this, you can work with the client to schedule them to practice the skill in the real world and report back to you or the group. So your client might want to engage in a skill required to get through a doctor's appointment and you know that's on Tuesday. So then on Wednesday, you can talk with the client. How did that go? Did, was it different from the role play? Did anything come up? Do you want to practice for next time? Um, and so it's kind of a feedback loop here, right? Where our client, we're helping our client develop and strengthen the skill by practicing beforehand and then taking it out into their real life, trying it out, coming back and seeing how it went and seeing if we can um, if there's any tweaks to be made, we're being flexible in how we're going to go through it. So now I'm going to show you an example. I've been talking a lot, but this video is really great 
for really showing what this can look like. It is in a very like contained one-on-one therapist setting. So I know a lot of us do not work that way. Um, So imagine how this might be if you were um, out with your client or in a different environment. Um, Let me just make sure I'm sharing my sound here. Yes. All right, so I will start this video now. Melissa, an on-track New York clinician, engages Mary in a skill-building session in support of Mary's recovery goal to meet new people. Hey, Mary. It's really nice to see you again. It was really helpful for me to meet with you last week to get a clear picture of the goals that you've been working on. It sounds exciting. Yeah. Um, who are you again? I mean, what is it that you do here? My name is Melissa, and I'm what's known as a primary clinician. My role is to work with young people to help them think about and develop specific goals and skills to help you get what you want out of life. For example, last week you mentioned that one of your goals is to meet new people and make new friends. Yeah, but it's been a while since I've done that. Okay. I've worked with a lot of young people just like you. I've helped them build the skills that they need in order to meet new people and make new friends. That would be great. So can you tell me what's been difficult for you about meeting new people? Well, sometimes I have a hard time putting myself out there, like afraid I'll seem stupid or something. I just don't even know where to start. Well, knowing where to start can seem really difficult, especially if you're worried about seeming stupid. Exactly. The good news is, is I don't think you're going to seem stupid. Not everybody has to be a, you know, social butterfly. But having a little more confidence can definitely make things easier. How about if we focus on learning how to feel more confident with making new friends? Okay, we could, we could try, I guess. Okay. So why don't you tell me a little bit about how you learn? Are you someone who learns by watching and listening, writing things down, or actually trying things out? I'm not sure. Maybe all of those? Okay. So we'll talk about it. We'll write some things down, and then we'll try it out. Sound okay? Sounds good. Okay. Here's a notepad. Thanks. So the first step is identifying a place that you want to meet a new person at, okay, like picking a scenario. The second step is introducing yourself and greeting the person. The third step is just making some small talk, like something easy. And then the fourth step is figuring out if the person wants to keep the conversation going. So four easy steps. It doesn't seem that hard. No, it's not hard at all, actually, and it gets easier and easier the more you do it. So why don't you write this down? The first step is picking the right time and place. And the second step is introducing yourself, greeting the person. Step three is making some small talk. And step four is judging if the person wants to keep the conversation going. Okay, I got it. Okay, so now we practice. We need to think of a scenario where you can imagine meeting a person. Can you think of something? There's this person that works at the coffee shop near where I live, and she seems pretty nice. Okay, so what is she, like a barista? Yeah, the barista. Okay. Do you happen to know her name? No. Okay, that's okay. So what if we call her what? Like Carla. Sure. So you're going to be Carla, and I'm going to pretend to be you walking into the coffee shop after school. Does that seem like a good time to practice? Yeah, that works. Okay. Hey, what's up? I'm Mary. Hey, what's up? I'm Carla. It's nice to meet you. I can't believe how cold it is. It's the second week of spring, and it still feels like the middle of winter. Seriously. I'm so over it. You know, I think I'm going to have a hot chocolate today. Good choice. I actually make them really good here. Perfect. Wow, Mary, you jumped right into it, and it really worked. Can I give you some feedback? Yeah. So I think you did a really great job. 
The only thing I'd have to say is that you could speak a little bit louder. Okay. okay. How about we try it again? This time I'll be Carla and you be you. Okay. So go ahead and walk up to the counter. You've already done step one. You've identified that it's the right time and place. Moving on to step two and introduce yourself. Right. Hi, could I have a small coffee, please? I'm Mary, I see you here all the time. Hey Mary, what's up? I'm Carla, it's nice to meet you. You too. Okay, now remember, step three is making small talk. Right. Wow, can you believe it's snowing out there again? Two weeks into spring and it's freezing. I know, it's so cold. It kind of makes me want to move back home. Well, bye. Okay, great, Mary. How do you think that went? It went okay, not so terrible. No, no, not terrible at all. Can I give you some feedback? Yeah. Okay, you did a really good job of introducing yourself. I liked how you made small talk. Again, I think you could have been even louder. And then in the end, when she said that she's thinking about moving back home, that to me is a signal to keep the conversation going, like maybe asking her where she's from. I could do that. So why don't we try it again the second time, keeping in mind the earlier feedback? Right. Hi, could I have a cup of coffee? I'm, I'm Mary, by the way. Hey Mary, what's up? I'm Carla. I see you here all the time. Yeah, I see you here a lot. Remind me, how do you take your coffee? Um, with three creams and a Splenda. Sure, no problem. So we'll try it again. You know what they say, third time's a charm. Hi, what's up? I'm Mary, I see you here all the time. Could I have a small cup of coffee? Hey Mary, I'm Carla. It's nice to meet you. I think I've seen you in here before, right? Like every day. Okay. Uh, do me a favor, remind me, how do you take your coffee? Two creams and a Splenda. That was great. Do you think you're ready to try this out in the real world? Maybe. I think so. I, I definitely think that you're ready. Do you think that you would have time between now and next week to give it a try? Yeah, I go there practically every day. Okay, great. So give it a try. I'm looking forward to hearing how it goes next week. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Melissa. You're welcome, Mary. I'll see you next week. Yeah. Melissa engages Mary in a stepwise skills building session that begins with psychoeducation about how she can help Mary with an important goal, making new friends. Melissa asks how Mary learns best and is prepared to tailor their session to Mary's response. She then identifies the steps of the skill of making new friends and has Mary write down the steps. Finally, Melissa takes Mary through a role play of each of the steps and provides her with feedback that will enhance Mary's proficiency before she tries the skill outside of the office. All right, so would love to hear from folks, um, either unmuting or in the chat, uh, what you thought of that role play, not like interaction. Was there anything you liked that the provider did or anything you would do differently? Are there any opportunities for different things that they could have done? I love the constant validation. Me too. I see this all the time, Vanessa. Meaning, I'm wondering if you mean that where you have clients who might have um, challenges like this, or is this something you already do with clients? I'd love to know. Yeah, what a good point. Working with adolescents and even my own kids after COVID, I, you know, that should have occurred to me as an example, but I think particularly kids and adolescents in school um, and having the impact of not being amongst their peers for a period of time, no wonder social skills are more difficult after being out of practice and being isolated. Um, that's such a 
great point. I mean, I feel I experienced my own kind of social skills deficit that I'm slowly building back up being in real life with people. So um, my heart goes out to younger people who didn't uh, have that opportunity at the time when they're adolescents and children and really building on these. They have a hard time connecting with people. Yeah. I like how she broke it down. It's a simpler way to explain to teens. Yes. You know, I think it can be a simpler way to explain these things to teens. And also folks that I mentioned earlier, um, folks with serious mental illness, um, trauma, but also folks who might have be um, on the autism spectrum or have uh, developmental disabilities, things like that, we want to get really concrete. So it feels accessible and it makes sense. And um, the the steps feel manageable, each one. Um, one thing I love about this video is just how concrete it makes what we're going to go through next, um, which is these different ways that we can teach social skills and practice them with clients. So remember, before the video, I'll go back and kind of show you the four types that we're going to talk about that are, you know, um, the big categories you might think of for social skills. There's communication skills, friendship and dating, assertiveness, and conflict management. We're going to go through um, uh, the recommended steps for one piece of each of these. And as I said, in the attachment, you'll see a lot more, um, a lot more examples um, of the different types of skills. So <clears throat> in the bucket of communication skills, there are these kind of sub skills within, um, if that makes sense, like the skills of communication are starting conversations, uh, maintaining conversations, ending conversations, and communicating your point. So we can imagine why these are all really important, right? How do you begin a conversation? We saw that example with Mary, um, how to keep a conversation going. That can be a challenge for folks. How to end, how to know when a conversation's over and move on. Um, and then how to really be effective in the way that you're communicating your point, your opinions, your views. So let's look at this first one, starting conversations, and we'll review the skills that we already heard about. So the steps to the skill that the therapist in the video um, told Mary to write down or asked Mary to write down were choose the right time and place introduce yourself or greet the person you wish to talk with, make small talk. For example, talk about the weather or sports. Some of us do not like small talk, but it can be really helpful in dealing with some situations, right? Um, and then judge if the other person is listening and wants to talk. So uh, figuring each thing out. And then we have some role play examples. So one could be a new person is starting in your class or at your job or moving into your where you live. You want to welcome them. Um, another role play could be you're at a family gathering. You want to start a conversation with a family member you haven't seen in years. Um, and then finally, another option would be you're sitting with another person person at lunch, but you don't know them very well. You would like to get the, to know them better. Could tweak these so they make more sense based on your clients. You're being flexible, right? Uh, maybe they're sitting uh, at the bus stop and a stranger sits next to them and they want to engage in a small conversation, something like that. Um, they're having trouble connecting with people in the community. So there's those micro skills uh, there. Then we have friendship and dating skills. There are a whole bunch for this because it runs all different, it runs uh, the spectrum of all different kinds of relationships, right? So um, 
the one we'll be focusing on right now is talking generally about mental health and recovery. So how does one talk about their mental health journey uh, or their recovery journey or what their mental health needs are in general, right? Maybe at the doctor's office or um, talking with a peer. Um, the second one would be talking with close friends or family about mental health and recovery. So this might look different than talking about it generally um, because folks might want to ask for support or share more details about their situation because of the level of comfort they have with the other person. Um, other skills include expressing positive feelings. Um, some folks who have SMI, for instance, or are on the autism spectrum or might have other reasons for this may um, present with flat affect. It's very clinical sounding how I said it, but when folks um, have, ex have certain symptoms or histories, they may have difficulty uh, having expressions show on their face. So expressing positive feelings might look different and might be a step-by-step -step thing for them um, that can be uh, encouraged and strengthened so that they feel that they're able to uh, successfully share these things with others, despite maybe having challenges before. Asking someone on a date is one of the skills, finding common interests. So maybe, you know, trying to strengthen a relationship, a friendship, um, expressing affection. Folks might have different levels of comfort with physical touch um, or other might want to find other ways of expressing affection. And then uh, refusing unwanted sexual advances. This, I think, is very helpful and um, something that uh, working with a lot of women in out in the community, I think this is a really important skill that can be helpful and not only helpful in folks learning the skill, but in validating that that experience can be extremely uncomfortable. I mean, run the range from uncomfortable to harmful, right? So um helping equip our clients, especially our clients who have a higher risk of receiving unwanted sexual advances. I think of our uh, clients who are women or are um, uh, women or uh, part of the LGBT community, um, folks who might have more exposure to that we would want to focus on. So I was really happy to see that as part of the the training. So we'll talk about that first one, though, to give you an example, and then you can read on in that uh, material provided to get the steps to the other skills. So for talking generally about mental health and recovery, the steps here would be one, tell the individual the information you want to disclose about your mental health needs and recovery. Um, two, speak in short sentences and stay on topic. Three, pause to let the other person speak or ask questions. Four, tell the person you are doing better now and or change the topic. For example, ask a general question or introduce a new topic for discussion. Okay, so these are the steps to the skill and then the possible scenarios, you know, a family member is like, I heard from your cousin that you're going through stuff. What's going on? Um, and the other one would be you're out you were out of school for a while due to mental health or emotional distress, and you're getting ready to go back and a friend asks you why you've been out of school. So can you imagine practicing this with someone else would be so helpful, right? Um, you as the provider, you're giving them these four steps, right? Then you work on it in a role play together and give feedback based on what the steps are, right? So maybe they have long sentences and they kind of wandered into another topic. You can give feedback so targeted based on this like concrete thing um, that it can be easier for our clients to absorb that and try again right then. Um, so uh, I really, I really enjoy um, social skills training and how concrete it is. Our third bucket is assertiveness skills. So uh, the skills that are considered part of this are expressing unpleasant feelings, uh, making requests, refusing requests, 
expressing disagreement, responding to criticism, and asking for help or, or support. Um, I look at all these and they're just, all of them are, are just such rich opportunities to uh, support our clients in um, getting their needs met. Um, and making their needs known as well. So um, we'll go through that first one, expressing unpleasant feelings. <clears throat> the steps for this skill are to look at the person and speak calmly and firmly. Say exactly what the other person did that upset you. Tell the person how it made you feel and explore how this might be avoided in the future. Um, so imagining yourself in a role play, you might uh, give, after giving a lot of positive feedback, you might say, um, you know, you, you sounded super calm, but you also, you know, I think you could have been a little bit more firmer in the way that you stated that. Or on the flip side, um, you know, wow, you're really great at advocating for yourself. Um, I wonder if you could go back to that first step and just try to uh, state what you said uh, just a little bit more calmly. So um, try that out and we'll see how that goes. So you could also provide feedback on, you know, oh, that's not what their behavior was. Like, let's get specific on what the other person did and not necessarily the history or what you're worried they'll do in the future, but, you know, staying with the present. Um, tell the person how it made you feel. You know, sometimes folks have a hard time um, identifying their emotions. <laughs> All of us sometimes have a hard time doing that, right? I'm like, why am I angry? Oh, because I'm sad. Right. It takes a minute. Um, so uh, we can support our clients in, uh, you know, exploring what the emotion is that they're feeling and why that particular thing happened. Um, and then trying to figure out how this could be avoided in the future, you know, what you might, what you might, uh, or what the client might ask um, that the other person does differently so that this doesn't happen again. Some examples of role play scenes would be, you know, say your client has a roommate who leaves dirty clothes around a lot and it happened again um, and you want to say something to them about the clothes. So the client maybe has been holding it in, doesn't want to like confront the person, but is getting really, really upset. Um, another example might be a professional missed an appointment with you and you were left sitting in the waiting room for an hour. We know our clients have been there. I have been there with my clients. It's so frustrating. Um, at the next appointment, you want to bring up this incident. So practicing for that. Uh, finally, your family suddenly decided not to visit for the weekend. This one also feels very familiar for my clients and maybe having folks change plans. Um, say they're going to come visit and not visit, lots of disappointment, um, which was also influenced by the behavior of the client. And at the same time, that's very disappointing and difficult. So um, you're disappointed that you won't get to see them. You want to let them know how you feel. So practicing how to uh, express these unpleasant feelings without blowing up or the opposite, kind of not uh, expressing what you're feeling. Um, finding that assertive spot in the middle can be super empowering for our clients. Finally, the fourth bucket, conflict management skills. Who doesn't need work on this? That's what I want to know. I think <laughs> humans have challenges with conflict um, just in forever. I don't know. Um, so it makes sense that these are skills that are helpful to work on with our clients and with within ourselves, probably. We've got uh, compromise and negotiation, disagreeing with someone without arguing, leaving stressful situations, expressing angry feelings, and general problem solving. So, you know, looking at this list, I, I think of tons of my clients and having certain situations where they didn't know how to leave a stressful situation, or when they expressed anger, they got reprimanded in some way and so are looking for a better way to do that um, or they're over or under compromising or negotiating for themselves um, 
or disagreements lead to just fighting, yelling with no resolution, right? There's so much opportunity here for uh, for work with clients. So we'll go through the first one. And then, like I said, on that um, great handout, there are all the steps and examples for all the other ones, plus additional considerations. Um, so for compromise and negotiation, the steps of the skill are to explain your viewpoint briefly, listen to the other person's viewpoint, repeat the other person's viewpoint. We might call this reflecting because that's the term we use when we do it for our clients, um, but reflecting back that other person's viewpoint and then suggesting a compromise. So some examples would be you want to have pizza for lunch with your friend, but they don't want pizza. How do you decide what to have for lunch? Um, could substitute pizza for any other kind of decision one needs to make with another person. Um, you want to visit your family next weekend, but they have other plans. You would like to negotiate another weekend for the visit. Uh, a treatment provider asks you to schedule an appointment for 2 p.m. on Wednesday, but you have other plans at that time. What do you say? Um, some folks have a really hard time saying no or uh, saying yes, supporting our clients in uh, this compromise and negotiation, figuring out kind of the gray between like the dichotomy of choices that folks can feel that they're limited to. Um, can be super helpful. And again, we're kind of extracting smaller um, ways to uh, better advocate for oneself. Right. So in summary, social skills are behaviors that are socially acceptable in the environment that a person is in. Social skills training and Additionally, just have to mention that different cultures, different communities are going to have different kind of uh, measures for social acceptance, right? So we want to pay attention to that. Social skills training is an evidence-based practice designed to help people become more competent at socializing, to get their needs met um, and their wants met. Uh, social skills training emphasizes role play and real world practice. So really Putting in that time and um, practice is the biggest part of this. It's trying it out and kind of demystifying what it'll be like once they're there. So it's not so daunting. Um, and finally, social skills training can include practicing communication, friendship dating skills, assertiveness skills, and conflict management skills. All right. So we have just a few minutes left, and I was wondering if you all would like to share um, if you can think of a client where you would start social skills training with, um, and what are the specific situations? Well, actually, let's start with that first question. Where would you start? So if you think of a client that could use this, where would you start? Would it be communication, conversation skills, friendship and dating, assertiveness, conflict management? Which one of those buckets do you think felt like you could just, oh, you had a client in mind for that? And or what are some specific situations your clients encounter where social skill rehearsal would be helpful? I gave a few examples of like going to doctor's appointments, um, I really appreciate whoever brought up, you know, children and teens who have gone through uh, unprecedented times and not had had uh, the opportunity to practice social skills for a few years or however long. Conversation cues. Any other situations that you think I really. I, I I really am glad that you brought up the COVID thing. Are there other situations I'm not thinking of where social skills training would be really helpful or like rehearsing beforehand would be really helpful for your clients? For social anxiety, yes. So if a client with social anxiety, I mean, that's a huge bucket that I forget about because of just my work in community mental health. And a lot of it has been around these more kind of severe mental illness categories, but social anxiety, I've, I've worked with folks who um, had a lot of struggle with that um, as well. 
and practicing and kind of, you know, demystifying some of the steps for how to get through a particular interaction was really helpful. Awesome. And then eye contact and assertiveness. Great. Couples and communication. There, I really enjoy the role plays and the steps for those like asking someone out on a date or things like that. I mean, you know, we're not taught, nobody's necessarily taught that, and maybe we should be. <laughs> um, so it can be really nice to go through it yourself and kind of see how these different skills can be uh, broken down into smaller steps that feel more achievable. Awesome. And if you, it, does anyone here do outreach? Are you mostly kind of engaging with your clients out in the community? And if so, how would you imagine doing this in the community? And would it look different, do you think, than that video we watched of Mary and I forget the therapist's name. But I think we you can do a lot of this in outreach pretty easily, um, especially if you're accompanying folks places, if there's a long wait um, and there's enough privacy that they feel comfortable talking. I really, with my clients who were mobile or had a good mobility aid, being out and about kind of walking around can be really nice because that eye contact expectation is actually removed. So that can make it easier to kind of think about this stuff before rehearsing and then rehearsing it. Um, so just some ideas. Here are a list of references, including um, the Recovery Coach Manual, uh, which is the document I keep referencing. Um, this was also uh, informed by this book, Social Skills Training for Schizophrenia, a step-by-step -step guide, as well as this article, um, the 2009 Schizophrenia Report Psychosocial Treatment Recommendations and Summary Statements. Check those out if you'd like. Thank you so much for uh, using some of your time today to get refreshed on social skills training. Thanks for your engagement and your attention and take good care. Thank you so much.